Hi, and welcome to episode number 91 of the weekly Google Cloud Platform podcast. I am Frances Campoy, and I'm here with my colleague, Mark Mandel. Hey, Mark, how are you doing? I am awake and moving. How are you doing? I am moving. <laughs> <laughs> the awake part, not, I mean, I've had three coffees, uh, just yeah. came back from long holidays, and I'm very, very highly jet-lagged. But other than that, very excited, because we have an episode about some really cool stuff. Yeah. Uh, we're going to be talking about the future of media with machine learning. So basically how machine learning can make media like TV, video games, all kind of streaming, uh, more engaging, more like just cooler in general. Yeah. And, yeah. And by definition, that's cool. <laughs> no, it is super cool. Uh, Amit Pandey is coming to join us. Uh, super excited to have him on the podcast. And then after that, we have our question of the week where we're actually going to return to last week's question. Yeah. Talking about accessing Kubernetes clusters from mobile phones. Because we, uh, we got two people pointing us to some really cool stuff. It's a really, really cool way of accessing your Kubernetes clusters from mobile. And we'll discuss that. It is Amazing. It's pretty so, pretty yeah, awesome. It is really cool. But before that, we have, as always, our cool things of the week. Yep. And the first one is about Google Cloud Speech API. And there's a bunch of new things in the latest release. Uh, one of the coolest things is there's this new feature. It's word-level word timestamps. Okay. Which basically means that now you're able to know not only what is said in an audio file, but also at what point in that audio file those words were said. So basically, if you have something like like this podcast yep. and you send it, now you could be like, oh, okay, so at what point do we actually say podcast? And you were Ooh. you would be able to say, well, uh, that was at the beginning, yep. minute one, and then uh, whatever. So basically, what I was thinking is that you could use this to make a, like a karaoke. You could automate karaoke. Yes, yes. automated karaoke. Uh, you could do podcast karaoke, podcast yoki. Podcast yoki. <laughs> yeah, we should do that. A VC funding, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> Another cool thing is that uh, until now, the audio files that you were able to upload were up to 80 minutes. Now it's three hours. And if you want to make them even longer, you can. You need to submit a quota extension, but uh, it's definitely doable. And we support a massive amount of languages. We added 30 new language varieties. Among them, there's Bengali, there's Latvian, and Swahili and many others. Uh, so check it out. Very, very excited about it. I think I'm going to start playing with uh, Cloud Speech API again after this. Nice. Uh, for a second uh, cool thing of the week, uh, possibly less uh, shiny and pretty, but definitely probably more practical. Uh, if you're a user of Dataflow, we had started a series uh, back in June talking about guide to common Dataflow use case patterns. So doing things like pushing data to multiple storage locations or interacting with, say, lookup caches, things like that. Uh, there are common patterns. So we just released the second part of that. We'll link to both of them, actually, where we have a few more patterns grouping by multiple data properties, streaming mode to like large lookup tables, all sorts of other stuff. So if you work with Dataflow and you deal with streaming data and you want to see some common patterns about how to solve some common problems, uh, this series might well be for you. Yeah, it comes with what they say pseudocode, but it's clearly Java. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, so you can definitely check it out and uh, have a very good idea on not only what that pattern looks like, but actually how to implement it in your source code uh, if you decide that's a good one. Yep. And then finally, uh, it's another series, actually, which is super cool, uh, talking about using cloud machine learning to build conversational APIs. So basically, if you want to build sort of chatbots or things that you can talk to, uh, which are definitely very cool right now and, and very, very 
I don't want to say the word hip. I feel old if I say hip. Uh, it's <laughs> it's hip though. It is hip. <laughs> Looking at variety of technologies from uh, using our uh, cloud uh, speech API, uh, translate APIs, and now with part two of this blog series, we look at how you can integrate cloud functions into this to be able to provide some logic as well into what's going on. Cool. There's also a little video that I'll watch later because it shows how to build a chatbot that sees, listens, talks, and translates Chinese. And I'm learning Mandarin, so looks like an interesting thing to do. Excellent. And that way, I'll, maybe I'll be able to fake it like I actually speak it. <laughs> you just need a little one of those things in your ear and one of these, and then as people talk to you, it's the it, future. It translates in real time, like Star Trek. Anyway, I think that that's enough cool things of the week for today. Yep. Uh, so let's go and talk to Amit Pandey. Sounds great to me. Today, I am excited to have Amit Pandey uh, joining us today, product manager. Amit, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. How are you? Very, very well. Uh, we're here to talk about something really cool. Uh, I saw your presentation at the Cloud Summit in New York, all about machine learning and broadcasting. Uh, so I really wanted to talk to you about that on the podcast. But before we get stuck into that, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do here at Google? Sure. I'm Amit Pandey. I'm a product manager on Google Cloud. My role is to work closely with leaders across media and entertainment industry to help them envision and then design and transform their business uh, with using Google Cloud, big data, and machine learning. Cool. So you said media and entertainment. I have heard about DevOps, but <laughs> what, what is what is media and entertainment? What does that entail exactly? So media and entertainment includes products and solutions for broadcast, for digital publishing, uh, for gaming, and then on the entertainment side, both production and post-production. Cool. When you say video game, do you mean like the video game playing, or like video game like when people watch video games, or both? Both. Cool. So let's talk a little bit more about what this actually entails related to Google Cloud Platform. What does Google Cloud Platform have to do with this industry? Yeah, so let's let's take an example. For broadcast industry, we have a fully managed end-to-end -end service with support and SLAs, all the way from getting your live signal to being able to distribute that live signal to the end users, and then being able to help you better monetize. We're providing products and solutions for each of those steps in your supply chain. Uh, similarly, uh, we have products and solutions for some of the other verticals inside uh, media and entertainment. So what would that actually look like from, say, a customer point of view? Like, say, if I'm watching TV, I may not notice it, but what would be, say, something that might be happening behind the scenes to a broadcast that I might be watching? So from a customer perspective, all the way from, uh, say, there's a typical Super Bowl game that is being broadcasted, we capture that signal uh, on the on the broadcaster's on-site pr uh, premise, upload it to Google Cloud, transcode it in all the different versions for you to be able to consume on your mobile, on your Apple TV, on your Roku, on your connected devices, uh, and then being able to distribute that through Google's uh, cloud distribution network as well as third-party distribution networks so that you have a seamless experience when you're watching this content uh, online. Cool. So I've been working lately with a bunch of Go meetups to be able to do live streaming, which is like YouTube Live and stuff like that. So I guess that what you're talking about is basically the same idea of YouTube Live, but without having YouTube involved. It's like the whole infrastructure is run by Google 
and you can retransmit anything? Yeah, exactly. So it's, in fact, using the similar infrastructure as what YouTube is using, but providing that as infrastructure as a service uh, to third-party broadcasters like all of the large uh, TV networks out there. And uh, it is it can be used for streaming live events. It can be used for streaming, just creating your own live channel, as well as uh, being able to distribute your video on demand assets. So maybe the answer is no, but can you talk a little bit about who is doing this? Uh, so we have a lot of large customers out there. If, for example, we, we had a very recent uh, presentation at Google Next in New York, and Univision was sharing uh, sharing the stage with us, talking about how uh, their journey of moving from on-prem to Google Cloud uh, infrastructure. And we, uh, we have a lot more customers that are using our service. Awesome. Well, I guess I'm going to ask maybe the obvious question. We are a company that tends to be known for our machine learning type stuff. Is this somewhere we also apply machine learning, or are we just in the streaming business? No, absolutely. In fact, when when we think about how machine learning can help transform your media and entertainment business, we almost we think about three buckets. We, we think machine learning can help you innovate and build those next generation experiences. It can help you better monetize your content, and it can help you reduce your operational cost while delivering your content at global scale. How? <laughs> I was going to say, you say innovate. Like, what does that mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so let's, let's take a typical supply chain uh, for, for content business, correct? Let's take the creative process of content creation. We can apply machine learning to help you determine exact clips and automatically generate highlights for your content uh, using machine learning. Let's take another example, content recommendation that's been around for a very long time. And traditionally, content recommendation was based on content metadata. We can use machine learning to actually understand what's happening inside your video and help you find visually similar videos that you can recommend. So it can be another signal that can feed into your uh, content recommendation system. Another example is machine learning can automatically micro-segment your content and analyze and draw insights for each of the segments of your content. If you had a, a, a TV show and you wanted to understand which actors are drawing more audience or which scenes hmm. are seeing higher engagement, with machine learning, now you have the ability to both combine your audience retention data and uh, the deeper uh, segmentation of your content to draw these kind of uh, insights. This made me think about that, uh, I think it was IBM, they did this research uh, where they created a movie trailer from a movie directly using AI. Is this the kind of thing we're talking about? Yeah, absolutely. All the way from being able to create trailers to being able to create automatic highlights uh, or previews, correct? So let's take an example, correct? For you, you're probably familiar with the Chopped uh, uh, cooking game show. ML yes. can combine <laughs> all of the signals, correct? Like it can automatically segment your video. It can annotate each of the segments inside your video, rank the segments uh, based on your audience engagement data, and it can help identify things like where is the start, where is the middle, and end. And not, not only that, it can also start looking at like background audio to understand where those interesting moments are happening inside your game show. And then you, using all of this, like as a user, if you come in and it's like, I only have three minutes and I want a quick highlight, we can generate that highlight on demand, correct? So it's almost helping you consume your content on demand based on your requirements. Similarly for the games, correct? Like you, you might be, uh, there's a game yesterday and I want to see a highlight for yesterday's game for this particular player, correct? So I'm curious, uh, the stuff you're kind of talking about 
that seems to be sort of possibly like after the fact or like post-processing. Is there stuff that we apply that happens while, like during a live stream that can interact or change maybe, I don't know, camera direction or, or I, I don't know. Is there, is there crazy stuff that can happen in flow? Yeah, so there is also applications to machine learning where I have seen people using machine learning to be able to use one camera to record an entire game. So uh, this is actually on the content creation side where they are following the activity uh, on the field to, to understand wherever the activity is there, they're actually moving the camera itself to be able to follow that activity. Uh, so that's an example where it is actually happening on the creation side. It, it can also, you can imagine uh, as viewers are watching, they may be like, I want to be able to view this particular player's perspective on, on the field, and every person would want a different one, correct? Again, machine learning can help identify as well as help you generate that personalized streams that you can connect with the users. So I guess that that is pretty hard in real life, IRL. Yeah. <laughs> cool. So uh, out of the things that you were talking about, specifically about the part where you were able to understand the video and then create maybe like highlights or whatever, that sounds a lot like the kind of machine learning skills that the Vision Intelligence API has, right? So I feel like that moves a little bit into... Okay, so that sounds really fun. How do I do it as a developer? What are the different APIs or the different products that I can use in order to create such an experience? Yeah, so on the machine learning side, we have, uh, actually we have a full spectrum. We have TensorFlow for, for you to be able to build your own models. Uh, we also have Google Cloud Machine Learning Engine, which is a managed end-to-end -end service uh, that you can use to uh, analyze your data and build your own models. And then we have readily available APIs, which are train on uh, Google's data uh, that uh, that you can use uh, to integrate into your application. So all the way from uh, natural language understanding APIs to converting your speech to text to translating text, and also most importantly for media, understanding your images and videos. So specifically, we have two APIs. One is our Google Cloud Vision API that helps you understand uh, structural entities inside your images, and Google Cloud Video ABI, uh, which is, helps you take a video, segment it into shots, and detect labels in the shots uh, that can then be used for things like search and recommendations, uh, and ultimately for generating things like highlights or driving better monetization of your content. Nice. Um, for those, those that are curious, uh, I like to do like back references to other episodes. We did an episode on TensorFlow, episode 31 with Eli Bixby. We did an episode on Cloud <laughs> Machine Learning Engine, episode 71 with Feng Guo, and also an episode with Sarah Robinson about Cloud Video Intelligence API. So if you want to know more about these APIs, check it out. So I'll ask an interesting question too. So, I mean, this all sounds super, super cool and crazy and wonderful. Does this mean that using this technology, like we're removing humans from the application or like is this replacing that or is that is this a tool that people can use in conjunction or how do you see this fitting in the in the wider spectrum there? I think from my perspective, when I think about machine learning, a very good example is self-driving cars, correct? Like we want to get to that autonomous driving cars and we are probably uh, five years out from that. But meanwhile, we're building out these steps towards uh, having a fully autonomous car, which are today assistive steps. So similarly, when I think about machine learning, it's starting in that assistive step and then gradually it's going to learn and learn so that it gets better and f probably at some stage it fully automate uh, the step. That, that it's being applied to. 
I also feel over time, the way we, we do our processes, they will change and you'll probably be able to do it more efficiently at lower cost. You'll probably be able to de delight your customers with better experiences. And the roles of humans will change from doing repetitive tasks to actually analyzing the data and using the machines more intelligently to be able to perform the tasks. So if you're looking at something like speech-to-text, like doing closed captioning, you might use something like our speech-to-text API, but then the human might be just verifying making sure that's all correct. Yeah, like that. that's actually a very good point. So uh, I believe because the, where the technology is right now, a lot of these technologies will benefit when you combine machine learning with humans. Uh, so if you take the output of speech-to-text and combine it with an edit tool where you can both quickly review and edit and any changes you make, those actually feed back into the machine lo uh, learning model, will significantly improve the precision and recall that you see for future results of that API. So I think that's one of the key key areas I want to highlight is uh, as you're thinking about using machine learning, always think about how can I train the models on context-specific data and how can I use a feedback mechanism to further improve the precision and recall of the machine learning APIs or the results of my machine learning model. Are there feedback mechanisms for something like text-to-speech or Cloud Vision API? So right now, the public APIs don't allow that, uh, but you, uh, you can imagine building uh, your own custom uh, model that further allows you to uh, feed that back. And we are uh, looking at options for enabling such that we can continue to help you improve your quality. I'm thinking that uh, we should try uh, as a demo to do it on our own transcripts. We should. Yeah, that'd be fun. So we could actually do it. So we automate our transcripts uh, through a, a third-party service, and then we could do it through Speech API and compare and the compare. results. Yeah, yeah. That'd, be, that'd be really interesting. Uh, we also have a practical application, correct? YouTube also allows you to automatically generate closed captions, correct? Oh, yes. That and it's similar well. technology that we are bringing to Google Cloud uh, as part of the APIs, correct? So all that data, which is training, is going to help power the APIs that you're using. So I publish a bunch of videos. I have a, a YouTube channel. And one of the coolest things of posting on YouTube is that you get the closed caption and then also the automatic translations to bunch of languages. Exactly. Which is very useful for people that are, do not understand English. Is that something that we can do real time on a live stream, for instance, or uh, are we still not there? I think right now we are obviously not there, but I do foresee that in the next six to 12 months, the technology will get to a point where uh, we will start applying this to real time. There are some tricks available where you can pre-train your models on context-specific. Like, for instance, if you have a sporting game, which is where you probably care about being real-time, you can train the model specifically uh, for, for that context. Mm. And then the real-time outputs would be pretty good in terms of quality here to the level that, that is acceptable from a closed captioning. So there are some tricks available to being able to apply almost in real-time uh, and getting the results uh, to the quality level that, uh, that matches your expectation. Cool. So we've been talking a little bit about how to make the broadcasting experience and the process itself more pleasant, I'd say, or more automated, better experience. But you also mentioned monetization, money. I like that. How do you apply machine learning for profit? How do you make money out of this? Yeah, so one of the things machine learning can do is it can understand your video and it can help you find those specific moments in the video where there are commercial intents, correct? So it can annotate it with products and labels and brands uh, that the users are talking about in your, in your video itself. And it can also help you figure out exactly how many ads should you show. So today, in most cases, if you're watching a content, you probably have a predetermined number of ads, like maybe three ads or four ads that you've come up with. And 
and generally that is a client-side logic. We can combine that with server-side logic and a learning algorithm which says, for this particular user, if I show a fourth ad, he will likely drop off. But for this another user, maybe showing two ads uh, is, is that optimal number. And the duration of those ads as well, correct? Like we've already starting to see, correct, the 30-second ads, you know, this huge buzz in the industry around bumper ads, correct, uh, the, the six-second ads, correct? What is the right length of the ad that the user, and that can be personalized. Uh, so the ad itself being shown based on the content, the number of ads being shown, and the length of the ads itself, correct? Each of those, we can innovate using machine learning. For instance, you know, you could show like a brand ad, correct? And when shown at the right moment, there's clear data in the, in mm -hmm. the industry that shows they will perform significantly better than showing regular ads. So I'm imagining that, uh, for instance, we have AdSense, right? And AdSense, basically what it does is when you add it to a web page, according to the content of the web page, it shows you ads that are related to it. Because if you're reading that, probably you're interested in those things. Is that what you're saying? That if I'm watching a TV, I'm watching, I don't know, like Modern Family and at some point I see like a car and then they're going to be like, oh, by the way, you can buy this car here. Exactly, correct? So you might be watching a travel channel and it's talking about this destination and you see a, an ad right at that moment. From your current destination to being able to travel to this destination, there are flight tickets available for XX price. You're likely to convert on that versus uh, a completely random ad being shown at that moment. Could you also customize the ad as well, like change how the ad experience is for that customer on the fly and do fun stuff that way too? Yeah, that that's exactly some of the, the very exciting stuff. Uh, when I was talking about earlier, in terms of applying machine learning to the creative process, you can think about all this analysis that we're drawing and being able to on the fly, being able to generate these dynamic creatives, which are personalized to the user. And in fact, I believe there's this next wave that is going to happen to ad creatives, where instead of just creating a small number of video ad creatives that uh, that target 100% uh, of the users, you will generate a lot more of those. And then with machine learning, you will be able to uh, slice and connected with the right users at the right moment. And there's this interesting stuff happening in the space all the way from being able to take your base video creative and then overlaying with uh, context-specific personalized information like the, the travel example I gave mm -hmm. you to like products being overlaid and then uh, connecting those with, uh, with the users. So again, very exciting space. And I think machine learning is definitely going to uh, transform the way we watch ads and the number of ads uh, and the quality of the ads that, uh, that we view. I have a completely ridiculous question. So I was thinking about how machine learning uh, is getting to a point where it's also able to generate new content, right? Like uh, Deep Dream is a very cool example where you give it an image and it creates something surrealistic, like super cool art and stuff like that. Do you think that in like, I don't know, like 10 to 20 years, we'll be able to see videos generated directly, completely by machine learning? I think over time, we will probably maybe in five to seven years. Oh, wow. like five to seven. This, wow. Is, this is probably the self-driving car space uh, where I think 
the step one in that process is going to use use data to assist with the creative process of content creation. And then over time, you can imagine that you have, say, say you have raw footage of whatever, 30 hours of raw footage, mm-hmm. correct? Like a very good example, which makes this a little real, correct, is reality TV show, correct? They have like 10 cameras and 24 by 7 shooting, correct? So that's a lot of content. You need to condense it down to like 30 minutes or 40 minutes of what people are going to watch, correct? And there's no perfect answer of what's right there. Correct. And you can imagine machine learning kind of combining and learning from user preferences and taste to actually finding out, like, these are the actors you're interested in. These are the kind of uh, semantic moments that, that, that appeal to you, correct? And using that to take your raw footage and uh, summarizing it down to the 30 minutes that you're interested in. So that's, that's the ex- extreme example, correct? Obviously, would it be able to generate, the, uh, generate this perfect episode of House of Cards for me, correct? Like, hmm. I mean, we're, we are definitely far from that, mm-hmm. correct? Uh, but uh, you, you can start thinking about applying it to things like ad creatives and then maybe taking content where it, it's already being stitched together, correct? And you need, uh, there's a lot of raw footage that you need to condense down to. Maybe games is another example, correct? Where you want to see a personalized version of the game uh, mm-hmm. where you're like, I'm interested in touchdowns and I'm interested in this player, correct? Mm-hmm. Uh, you can codify the user intentions, correct? That's probably the start yeah. of this creative process. And then over time, I think it'll be more of this data being available. And as we learn, we'll be able to apply that to more and more content types. Cool. I mean, we already see that now in the consumer space with, I mean, I get notifications from Google Photos saying, hey, we saw that you were in this place and here's a montage of the thing you were seeing. Or like we could do some uh, yeah. things with like home videos. And those tend to be actually pretty good. They're usually really good. Yeah. Yeah, And exactly. That is the same technology that I'm talking about, correct? Like Google has state-of-the-art content summarization, ability to understand those interesting moments, correct? And we can start building more of these models based on user preferences and taste for you to really be able to innovate in the space. So um, this all sounds awesome. If people want to learn more about this, uh, obviously we've talked about sort of the Cloud Vision API, the text-to-speech. Is there anything around like learning how to apply TensorFlow to video or anything like that that you would recommend as a resource that people could potentially go to? So I think the best bet is uh, to be able to follow the TensorFlow uh, documentation. And then on the API side is is definitely look at the, the Cloud Vision and the Cloud Video Intelligence API to get you started. I also would recommend something. Uh, we talked about Kaggle. And I think that uh, if you want to do like TensorFlow with video, Kaggle had this YouTube 8 million a contest, which it's an amazing data set. So that'd be a good place yeah, to start. Yeah, th- that's absolutely t- right, correct? Like uh, being able to have that huge amount of data set yeah. to be able to train uh, will be huge. And it's there. So it's there and it's free. Yep. <laughs> awesome. All right, well, we are running out of time. So is there anything else you want to make sure you mention, any events or anything you want to plug before we wrap up the episode today? Yeah, so we are, if you're in Europe, uh, we are going to be at IBC uh, in uh, mid-September in Amsterdam. Uh, So please feel free to join our booth. I'm going to be there, so uh, happy to answer any questions. Uh, We also have another event happening uh, uh, in Los Angeles in uh, late September, uh, which which is focused on machine learning and content creation. If you're interested, please reach out to me. Awesome. Well, Amit, thank you so much for coming and joining us on the podcast today. Thank you, everybody. Thanks so much to Amit Pande for such an interesting interview. I did not know that you could do so many cool things, like not only automating things with machine learning, but actually making the content you're creating even more engaging. Super cool. Yeah, no, super love this. I think 
this is a really exciting time for broadcast across a variety of platforms, across sports, esports, even live television. Like, there's so much cool stuff that could happen here. When you say esports, is like video games. Right? Yeah, yeah, okay, everything cool. for me comes back to video games. <laughs> esports, I like it. Uh, I do esports too. I play Zelda. Cool. <laughs> That's so, not quite right, but it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I do not care. Yeah. That is my opinion. Okay, so uh, let's go with our question of the week. So our question of the week this week comes from actually last week. It comes from Itamar Ostrischer, and I might be misspelling the, mispronouncing the name. I'm sorry for that. But he asked us last week uh, how to access a Kubernetes cluster from a mobile phone while mm-hmm. he's on the, on the go. And we said that there was, you know, like a bunch of different ways of doing it, but none of them was actually that convincing, that mm-hmm. good. And and we said, you know, it's like it's a pity that there's not a better way to do it. But... It uh, turns out we have very engaged audience, and they were like, actually, there's an amazing way of doing it, and we're going to be talking about that today. Yeah, so we got a tweet, uh, which was awesome, from someone named Dylan Graham. Dylan, hi. Uh, at plus plus Dylan on Twitter. <laughs> oh, thank you, Dylan. Um, yeah, thank you so much for, for sending this in. This is super, super cool. So there's an open source project from Bitnabi called Kevin. And it is an open source mobile app that works on both uh, Android and iOS for directly integrating with Kubernetes. And it's like really impressive. It is, yeah. So before we started recording the episode, I showed a screencast of what you can do with the iOS app. I'm sure that the Android app does pretty much exactly it's the, the same. It's the same app. And yeah, it blew our minds because you can do basically everything you can do with kubectl but easier. <laughs> it was it was cool. Like okay, so you've got a bunch of stuff you can do in there from actually creating clusters to pod views, pod logs, doing deployments, choosing namespaces, like but I think my favorite part was he deploys Ghost to Kubernetes on the screencast and just adds a deployment and clicks it through and he's like, I'm gonna scale it and he has a slider. Yeah. And he goes from one pod all the way up to like seven. He's like, look out a slide and apply and boom, I'm done. And yeah. I was like that's actually kind of sick. And then in in order to expose that service uh, to the world, he's like, oh, so I just need to click here to make it load balancer now and done. Done. That's it. Yeah. It's very, very good. Uh, and on top of that, you can also use Helm charts. Yes. I don't know. I think it's pretty amazing. I feel like I'm, I, I mean, I'm going to install it, that's for sure. Yep. But I wonder if it's almost better than just using kubectl. Maybe for some things. It depends what you're doing. Yeah, it's just very, very, very nice. And what I liked about it, too, so it's a React Native app. So if you want to actually get in and be involved with the project and try and tweak some stuff or fix some bugs or build new features, if you know JavaScript, you can get in there. Yeah, it is open source. We'll have a link on the show notes to both the iOS and Android apps and also the GitHub repo. Definitely check it out. It is version 0.3. something, so it is still not stable version, but I'd say it's definitely worth trying. Yeah, absolutely. Even if it's just to be like, oh, let's see what's happening in my pod and look at the logs. Yeah, even if it was just like view only, it would be useful enough, but on top of that, you can do a lot of editing and creating stuff. So amazing. Uh, So yeah, thanks Dylan for, uh, for the link. And also thanks to the Bitnami team for such a cool app because yeah. it's really, really cool. It's really, really cool. Awesome. Well, before we run away, Francesca, I know you just got back from vacation, so I'm sure you've got everything planned out. Uh, <laughs> where are you going to be? What are you up to? What's going on? So I'm actually going to uh, be traveling, uh, not in August, but in September. I will be going to Cloud Summit in this little place in a little country called Australia. Nice. I'm going, yeah, going to Sydney to talk at the Cloud Summit about how to build bots on Google Cloud Platform. It's going to be lots of fun. 
And then after that, in October, I will be speaking at Velocity London. And then in November, I'll be speaking at Doggo, which is in Paris. And then the week after in Gofrecon Brazil, which is in Brazil, as the name implies. Yeah, lots of traveling. Very excited about it. What about you? So my month of crazy is continuing. Um, <laughs> so next week, I will be speaking at PAX Dev. Uh, and then attending PAX right after that. Practically a week after that, uh, I will be in GamerCon Las Vegas, speaking again there, talking about open source and Kubernetes and game servers. And then pretty much the week or two after that, I will be at Austin Game Conference in Austin, doing the same talk yet again. Uh, and then after that, it's more of a conference for me. I will be attending Strange Loop because I love that place. It is one of my favorite places in the world. I know. I want to go there too, but I cannot this year. Next year. You say that sure. every year. I know. <laughs> I'm awful. Anyway, thanks, Mark, for taking the time today to talk about the future of media and also a bunch of uh, cool things of the week and that amazing app. Very, very cool. I'm already installed it on my phone. Awesome. And thank you, everyone, for listening. And we'll see you all next week. See you all next week. Yeah.